doing something a little bit different today. I wanted Bryn to read that scripture because it's a really beautiful foundational uh, text in how we should be thinking about the people of God. We aren't just uh, random um, people. I, I, I was talking to somebody earlier this week and, and was talking about the idea of just like a flash mob of like just random people that show up together for some reason and, and sing songs weirdly, like Jackson was saying. Uh, we are an organism. We are a body. We are uh, connected to the vine. There are all these metaphors that the scriptures use to talk about God's people. Uh, and it's a real, it's a reality that we, uh, I think, uh, need to lean into. And so we're going to do f- quite a few different things t- this morning. I'm going to talk a little bit. Some other people are going to come up and talk and share. I, like I said, we're going to do some church business. Um, but we are, like normal, we're going to do Q&R. So if, uh, if I say anything that, that you have questions about, if, if we do anything from up on the platform that you're like, give me some clarity on that, you can uh, jump on slido.com and type in RevCDA and put a question in the box, and we'll take a look at that in a little bit. So... Uh, I'm going to pray for us one more time, and uh, then uh, I've got some questions for you. Lord God, thank you for these people. Thank you for this place. Thank you uh, just for the the life in this room. Um, Yeah, it's been, um, it feels like it's been a long time, four years ago. Um, But you've been good to us through uncertainty, through pain, through good things, through uh, international uh, disruptions. Um, God, we're just grateful to you for who you are and, and your faithfulness to us. Uh, I just pray that as we, as we reflect and celebrate on, on where we've come and um, talk about where we're going, uh, I just pray that you'd be in our midst, that you'd speak by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's a question. And kids, this, this is a question that I, I need your help with. What is a dog? A pet. Good. And what else? Yeah. An animal. An animal, okay? Yeah, an animal. You, he beat you to it. Yes. A canine. A canine. Jer- Violet. A mammal. Yeah, what else? Any other thoughts? What's a dog? Under your feet. Under your feet. That's right. Good job. Okay. So, so we have a pretty good idea of what a dog is. There are parameters. This is a dog. These other things, not a dog. What is art? Yeah. It's paint. Pa- paint? Okay. Creativity. Creativity. Okay. Painting, okay. A picture, okay. So those things are art. What about what about statues? Are those art? Yeah, art, okay. What about movies? Are those art? Yeah. What about um, books? No, books aren't art. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> I think, I think what we find, though, is when we start talking about art, it gets a little confusing. Because sometimes, sometimes people will say, this is art, and you go, are you sure? That just looks like a mess. Or, or other times, people will, will say, you know what, I'm, I'm an artist. 
The way that I can manipulate spreadsheets is just beauty, right? Like, but no, maybe that's art. Maybe it's not art. Art's kind of slippery. It's hard to figure out. So then the next question I have for you all is, what is a church? Is a church more like a dog or more like art? Like art? Oh, Okay, we could talk about this for a while. I'm going to say, though, for the purposes of the point I'm trying to make, that, <laughs> that we could think of a church as like this kind of hard-to-understand, grasp thing that maybe you know it when you see it, but there's a lot of different ways that it could be. But I think a church is more like our dog, more like something that we can say, these things make a church, right? So I have a definition for us. Uh, it's a long definition. It'll be up on the screen. This is from a scholar named Greg Allison. There's some big words. Don't worry about it. A church is doxological, oriented to the glory of God. It is logocentric, centered on the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ, and the inspired Word of God, Scripture. It is pneumodynamic, I like that one, created, gathered, gifted, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is covenantal, or gathered as members in new covenant relationship with God and in covenantal relationship with each other. It is confessional, united by both personal confession of faith in Christ and common confession of the Christian faith. It is missional, identified as the body of divinely called and divinely sent ministers to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. And my favorite, it is spatiotemporal slash eschatological, which means it's assembled as a historical reality and it possesses a certain hope and a clear destiny while it lives the strangeness of ecclesial existence in the here and now. Now, like I said, lots of big words. We're not going to unpack that. If you want to unpack that, Dr. Allison has a 500-page book all about what that definition means. But I think it's important because what we read there and what I think we see in Scripture is that the church is a thing. There are ways to define what the church is, who the people of God are. And this morning, we are going to practice some of those things that are markers of the church. We just got done proclaiming the glory of God in our songs. We focus on the person and work of Jesus through the scriptures and the communion table. We request the Holy Spirit's presence in our midst to activate the life of God among us. We will, in a few minutes, recognize the members of this church and accept new ones into our community. We will hear stories from people whose lives have been changed and shaped by their faith in Jesus. We will be equipped to walk out into the world on the mission that Jesus has given to us. And we will recognize through our prayers, through our singing, and through the preaching of the Word of God, that we are on a trajectory to be made into the image of Christ right now as we are prepared to inherit His kingdom one day in the actual future. So, 
We call ourselves at Revelation Church, if you've been through our membership class, if you've been to member meetings, you've heard the word covenant community. This is who we are as the people of God. We are a covenant community. And how do we define that? Community is easy. Community is, is a group of people, right? But covenant, covenant's a bit harder. Covenant is an agreement, but it's also more than an agreement. A covenant is like a contract, but it's primarily not about the terms of the contract, but about the people involved. For instance, I have a contract with T-Mobile. If I stop paying T-Mobile, they will shut off my cell phone. And if T-Mobile stops giving me cell phone service, I will stop paying them and switch to Verizon. That's a contract. There's very clear terms. There's things that need to be done by either party. And when one party doesn't live up to their terms, you just get rid of it. You've broken the contract. A covenant is a little bit different. I have a covenant relationship of marriage with my wife. We covenanted together to start a new family as one flesh. And while we made vows to one another to honor and love and cherish and obey and respect and all of those things, we frequently break those vows. Anyone who's married in here knows that this is true. Our wedding vows are aspirational. They are not actual. But when we break our wedding vows on a daily basis, when we're selfish, when we're rude, when we say things that we shouldn't say, when we walk in ways that are sinful and broken, we step into repentance and forgiveness because the covenant doesn't rely on the terms of the agreement. Specifically, it relies on the people who have decided to bind themselves to one another. And so in the church, we say we are a covenant community. We are a people that have covenanted together to be a part of one another's lives under the authority of Christ. And this covenant isn't just accidental. This is the way Jesus has set it up. In Hebrews 9, we read, therefore, Jesus, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, he initiates this new covenant and it's not a covenant between him and me. It's not a covenant between him and you. It's a covenant between him and us. If you've ever seen, um, this is really old for some of you, but if you've ever seen the Brady Bunch, who's seen the Brady Bunch? Yeah, okay. So the Brady Bunch is a story of two separate families who are uh, single parents, a mom and a dad, and they fall in love and they get married and they covenant together in this marriage. But who is affected by this covenant? All these kids, right? All of these kids come into this covenant relationship, not because they directly covenanted, but because the covenant includes them. Jesus' covenant binds Jesus' people together. Historically, the church has expressed the covenant bond that it holds in different ways. At Revelation Church, the way we have chosen to express it is through a formal covenant membership. There's a class, there's documents. There's, there's signatures, right? There's, there's, there's something you, you have to, it, it's, it's, it's legit. Like, it's a real thing. And that's, that's weird for people. If, if, you've, if you've been a part of a church who doesn't operate that way, maybe, maybe that's a little strange to you. And there's several reasons why we do this. And I'm going to give you two this morning. There's a historical reason. Uh, our church 
um, along with many churches in the United States, kind of can trace the way it does its business back to the early Baptists in America. And I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that the Baptists are in the news for today that are, that are a bummer. Um, but when the Baptist movement started in the United States, what they said was, you know how if you live in Germany, you're automatically a Lutheran? And if you live in England, you're automatically an Anglican? And if you live in Scotland, you're automatically a Presbyterian. The Baptist said, that's not really how the people of God is supposed to work. The people of God is a distinct community apart from your nation. And so one of the things the Baptists did is they said, you know what, we are, we live in countries all over the world, but we are a distinct community apart from the government. And the Baptist churches began to think through this and develop theologies of, of politics and government, and, and much of this bled into what we understand as freedom of religion in the United States today, that we do not have a national faith. You can believe what you want and be welcomed into our country. And the Baptist churches fought for the, their own right to worship, but also the right for others to worship. And one of the ways they did this is they created membership in their churches. They said, these are the people that are a part of the kingdom of God in this location as opposed to the citizens of the nation. The other reason that I think it's a good idea to have members is that there's a cultural reason, right? It kind of it kind of freaks people out. Like if you're sitting here and maybe you've not heard about this before, Maybe you feel a little weird about it. Like, what, why would I have to, why can't I just come and be a part of the church? Why, why do I need to be um, brought into this and, and covenant and, and, and do these things? That seems weird. And it is weird. And that's why I like it. Because we're a people that do not want to make promises about anything. We don't want to promise to one another in marriage. We don't want to promise uh, to one another in um, business. We don't want to promise to the gym. Like, I don't want to have to sign a contract to the gym. I want to be free. I want to keep my options open. And the very idea that we would be tied down to a body of people is disconcerting to our souls. But that comes from the fact that we've been discipled by the world we live in to believe that our individual preferences are the most important thing. And by having a membership in our church, I think we push back against that cultural impulse. I want to read to you a little bit of the Revelation Church Members Covenant. It says, we commit ourselves to one another in dependency, acknowledging that through this body and its members, the Lord will meet our needs as we walk by faith, and He will provide opportunity for service and worship. In responsibility, devoting our gifts and abilities to the building up of His body and its members as He will nurture it and cause it to grow. And in accountability, submitting ourselves with this body and its members to the authority of Christ as head of this church, of the scriptures as our supreme guide for faith and practice, of the elders of this body and of this congregation as the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a significant thing that we covenant to one another in as members of Revelation Church. And this doesn't make us better than anyone, any more than like my covenant with my wife somehow makes me better than someone that I'm not married to. That's, a, that's not the kind of category that we want to think about. It's not an us versus th them thing, but it is a decision that we have made to be 
for one another in this place. And if you're not a member, that's okay. You're welcome to be here. We, we love to have you. But we believe that Jesus is committed to us, and, and we want to be committed to one another. And covenant membership is how we've chosen to express that belief. So um, I want to invite Brandy up to the platform this morning. Um, Brandy's a member of our church, and um, I just asked her if she would come share some of their family's story. And she's super nervous, but we're all going to be very kind and gracious to her as she shares. Yeah. All right. I know. I don't know why I'm nervous. I talk all the time, but it's different when you're up here. Okay. Um, So I have notes. Um, I'm really going to focus on the Idaho chapter of me and my family's story. Uh, We moved here in August of 2019. Um, Before that, I had lived in the same county for almost 20 years. So moving to a state that I'd only driven through on my way to Montana before was a little scary. Um, and it was really hard for me to leave the community that I had been, um, that had been a part of almost all of my adult life. I had gone to church with some of the same people since I was 16, and um, moving away from that was terrifying. When we were looking for a church, I found myself picking apart every tiny detail, and I was searching for reasons why this could not be my new church because I didn't want a new church. I didn't want to be in Idaho. <laughs> I'm, good, I'm, I'm good now. Um, the first church we visited was Revelation. We had some friends that went here. We had met um, Zach and Joanna a few times, um, and Mark got along with Zach really well. And so we visited here first, and I was reluctant to call anything my new home. I had a list that I had made of what I wanted from my new body. Um, I needed a youth group. We don't have one. Um, I didn't want to go to a new church. Um, We were tired. We had been part of new churches before, and I was just really closed off to any new community. Um, We visited some other churches in the area. I wasn't happy with any of those either. Um, And we found ourselves visiting Revelation again this time for good. A little bit before we came that second time, I remember hearing God and feeling him tugging at my heart. I remember him telling me that I would worship him wherever he put me. Um, Sometimes God has to be really rough with me because if you know me, you know I'm stubborn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then he told me that there is a huge difference between personal preferences and theological necessities. I, was, I needed to stop being ch- stubborn because no church would be a carbon copy of where I had come from, and that was a good thing because it wasn't about me. It was about where he was placing me. Quickly after coming to Revelation, we went through the classes and became members um, because Mark and I both believed deeply in that covenant relationship. And, and for me, it was committing myself to the place where I felt God was calling me, even though my attitude hadn't caught up yet, knowing that would come. <laughs> um, it wasn't long before we uh, found ourselves serving. Um, And after a while, I was starting to feel disheartened because I was really missing the community that we left. Um, 
and again, God put me in my place and reminded me that the level of relationship and community I had left takes time. I had 20 years of building a community. I couldn't short circuit that in six months. There's a comfort that comes from years of doing life together, celebrating together, mourning together, and that I needed to be patient because God promised me he was building a community around me. Fast forward three years later, um, and God has been faithful to his promise. He has been building a community around me, um, and he's also been growing my family in ways that I didn't see coming. This whole time I was focused on me in this and not seeing how God was moving in my family. My husband, Mark, has been able to create relationships with men in our church that has really spurred him onto a depth of faith that I had never seen. And I believe this whole time that was part of why God brought us to Idaho. Um, looking back, he needed to pull us out of the comfort of where we were and put us to where we had to grow in order to survive. And it has been just the biggest blessing. Hey. Thank you. I know if, if you know the Thrall family, you know how much of a blessing they are to our community. Um, so I, I've got, we've got another story that I, I want to um, I want to invite Matt up. Matt's been with our church community for what, about a year and a half now? Yeah. And uh, he's just got a very different perspective from, from Brandy and just his, uh, well, I'll let you tell him tell the story, but I, I just, I asked him if he would share, um, and uh, I just, I think, uh, I think you'll be blessed. I'm shaking. <laughs> Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and share. I thank Zach, and more importantly, I thank God and my child. <laughs> You're okay. This is my youngest, Jasper. Um, I just want to introduce myself as I'm Matt Stebbins. I've met quite a few of you. I have a relationship built with quite a few of you as well, which is a blessing and I can't wait to continue to build that relationship. Um, Zach messaged me probably two weeks ago, said, hey, are you interested in sharing your faith journey with the church? And I said, yeah, let me pray on it, because that meant no, absolutely not. I don't want to be up here. Um, so I prayed on it. I really did. And God didn't tell me to not be up here. He didn't say anything. So I was like, man, I think he's really telling me to share right now. Um, so I spent the last two weeks, what do I want to say? My journey is, for me, was terrifying a lot of the time. Um, filled with a lot of hurt, a lot of lies, um, and still scared to this day, shaking up here, talking. Um, started out as a young age with my family, lived in a very small town. My childhood was unstable. There was a lot of hurt, a lot of abuse. Um, and it wasn't rooted in Christ. I never had a relationship with God growing up. I remember the church vaguely. Um, 
just because my mom went occasionally on Sundays, but it was never rooted into my childhood. Um, so with the abuse and my stepdad working and drinking all the time, it was very unstable and I moved out at a very young age. I was 16, 17 years old, moved out, started my own life because I could handle it. I didn't need my family. Um, I was wrong, <laughs> I was very wrong. <laughs> but I started working, I dropped out of high school, had my first kid at the age of 20, my oldest child. Um, was in a relationship with his mom for about two years and that ended. It, just ended due to our, a lot of different reasons. I was harboring a lot of lies, a lot of hurt from my past that I never confronted. Um, and at the age of 22, I met my best friend, one of the most amazing people still to this day in my life. Um, and that was the year 2020, which was a great year, I'm sure, for all of us. Donald Trump being president and COVID and toilet paper shortages. Um, but that was a good time. I really enjoyed that part of my life, and I think God placed my wife that I was married to, of the youngest two children, um, there for a reason. I just didn't know it at the time. I was still being pretty selfish and living for myself. Um, so 2020 was the year that kind of was a big turning point in my life for my walk with Christ. Um, at this point, I was, had a great job. I was a manager working a lot, but I had a great job. The perfect family, three kids, the wife, the house. I bought my first house. It was pretty great for the most part, minus I was still struggling and not dealing with things. I wasn't walking with Christ, more importantly, and didn't really have a desire to. Um, April 29th, 2020. Sorry. Um, this day changed a big part of my life. Um, it was the day that I confronted one of the lies that I had been holding on to for a long time. Um, it's the day that I came out as being gay. I never shared that with anybody and still pretty hard to share especially where I'm standing today. Um, and that wasn't the only lie I was harboring. I was selfish. I was lying to my wife. I was pursuing emotional and romantic feelings for somebody else while married to my wife. Um, and I chose at that point when I came out, I chose to walk away from my family. But... I do have to speak to the character of my best friend, who I was married to at the time. After I come out, I, or the day I came out, I called her on the phone and was a mess. I was crying, and I'm sure she couldn't understand a word I was saying. I told her. Um, and at this point, looking back, I realized there was an aspect of God there in her heart that I never realized until now. All she could say to me was, come home, I love you and we'll figure it out. And I feel like looking back now, like that's something God says to us all the time. Come home, I love you, we'll figure it out. And I didn't, I walked away. I was walking in sin, broken, 
Um, dealing with things from my childhood that I'd never worked on, but I felt great. I wasn't lying anymore about that part of me. I didn't have to hide. I wasn't scared anymore. I was being honest with myself. Um, I was still pursuing a relationship that wasn't in God's walk for me. It took me these last couple of years to figure it out. And about seven, seven months after coming out and leaving my family and pursuing a different life, I met Zach. God started to play a part in my life. Um, I had doubts, fears, a lot of questions, a lot of days spent with Zach talking. And then I came to Revelation and was even more scared to lean in and build connection because I didn't want anybody to know my struggles. I sometimes have a hard time dealing with it still to this day because it's scary. It's hard, it's, there's pain, there's hurt. Um, but one thing God continues to humble me on is I'm not my own shepherd and I, don't con I need to let him control my life and stop walking for myself as I've done for several times throughout my life. Um, and that was the beauty of finding community here at Revelation um, and building a relationship with Zach and there's so many faces out there that I get to look at right now and just be in awe of because I've let go of myself and leaned into Christ and started building relationships and continue to build relationships. Um, my walk's not over. It's still very painful. God tends to humble me when I think I can do it on my own and he breaks me down and as of recent has broken me down even further. And has made me realize that I need to give all aspects of my life to him instead of living for myself. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at today is God humbling me, realizing that God is the ultimate shepherd of my life and leaning into that. So. Thank you for sharing. Um, one thing that I asked uh, Matt I could share is um, in part of, and, and he, you can talk to him about the details if you want to, but in part of the journey that he's on to um, create a space for himself and his family to uh, pursue Jesus faithfully, he's recently moved uh, and he is... Um, uh, he's got some property out in Athol uh, and a fifth wheel, but uh, the, uh, the fifth wheel needs a roof uh, on it uh, to meet the snow load this winter. Uh, and uh, we are committed as his people to help him cover the costs of that and uh, to help him build it. And so what I want to throw out to you all this morning is if you have any extra financial resources that you're wondering, how would God have me use these? We have about $800 worth of lumber that we need to purchase for Matt's roof uh, in the coming days. And if you would like to contribute to that, I would love that. Um, if you have a check, you can put Matt's name on the check and put it in the offering box. You can also go on the app and forgiving and check the outreach fund. All those funds for the next several weeks will go to uh, that building project. And if you're handy with a saw and a hammer, 
let us know because we're going to put together a team to help put that together for Matt and his family before the snow hits. So thank you again for sharing, Matt. So that's just a little bit about the kind of community that we are wanting to build, hoping to build, trying to build in our church. And um, it's not always perfect. I'm super bad at it most days. I'm also selfish and um, pretty blinded to anyone else around me half the time. And that's something that the Spirit of God is working on me. But it is the value that we hold um, out um, as a, um, a standard that we want to live up to. And so this morning, what I want to do next is um, we've had some people uh, approach us and ask, how, how can we be a part of the covenant community? What would it look like to be members? And, and we recently had a membership class that um, we offered on Sundays here, and we'll do that again in the future. But um, there are six individuals this morning that... Um, we uh, that have asked to become members of our church. And so I'd like to invite uh, Gary and Jackie Adams, Matt and Danielle Lowe, and uh, Dylan and Tori Williams up to the platform. Um, if you've got kiddos with you, they, they can come if they want to. And um, Dylan has actually uh, had to work today. So we, I got a picture of Dylan, I think. There's Dylan uh, fly fishing. So um, we're all, come on up here, everybody. And no, I know none of these people want to be up here right now, just so you know. <laughs> so we uh, have uh, the opportunity as elders of the church, we've been given the responsibility to vet potential members. Are these people baptized Christians? Do they understand our beliefs and practices? Is this something that uh, is good for the body? But the members of our church, we all hold real authority here as well. Um, a number of weeks ago, if you're a member, you got an email saying these individuals would be up here this morning and that we were going to vote on their uh, entry into our church. And, and I said, hey, if, if there's any reason why you think any of these people shouldn't be members of our church, if you think anyone is, is, is not... Um, not a professing Christian who behaves in a way that betrays their faith, that there's big red flags, come and tell us. Because we think we've done a pretty good job of, of figuring that out as elders, but we could be wrong. And the way I've heard that described recently is, is in our church, the elders steer the bus, but the congregation holds the emergency brake. And that's, that's a real authority that you have as members of Revelation Church to say like, yeah, this is not okay. We need to stop this and go a different direction. And so we are going to vote on the acceptance of these individuals as members. Um, the way we're going to do that is with a voice vote. So um, I'm going to ask you if you are willing to affirm uh, Gary and Jackie and Matt and Danielle and Tori and where'd Dylan go? <laughs> There's Dylan. <laughs> If you're, if you're affirming their acceptance as members of our covenant community, I'm going to ask you to say, I. And then I'm going to say, if you're opposed, you can say, I as well. Uh, if you are a member of Revelation Church, uh, do you agree to affirm 
and approve of these six individuals into the covenant community of Revelation Church. Say aye. 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 All those opposed? Aye. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Matt. Can't vote twice. All right. Well, congratulations, everyone. Welcome our new members. Um, don't go yet. I want to pray for you all. Lord God, thank you for um, the Adams family and the Williams family and the Lowe family. And um, God, I, <laughs> I am in a position of various depth of relationship with all of them, and I'm, but I'm excited to have them as part of our community. I'm excited to have them lean in with their gifts, their abilities. I'm excited to, to see how you continue to knit us together as we grow. And I just pray that you would bless them uh, as, they, um, as they serve, as they um, connect with one another, and, and as they go out into the world that they live in as representatives of the gospel uh, and Revelation Church in Coeur d'Alene. We just praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys can go be seated. We're going to talk about some offices of the church. First office I want to talk about is the office of deacon. Um, there are two offices li listed in the New Testament, deacon and elder. The office of deacon is the one that we don't have as much information on, but we do have some information. They have a really important role in the church. And I want to share a little story. This is from Matt Smethurst's book on deacons. He writes, the Nazis, it turns out, did not like deacons. After the Netherlands fell to Germany in 1940, deacons in the Dutch Reformed Church rose up to care for the politically oppressed, supplying food and providing secret refuge. Realizing what was happening, the Germans decreed that the office of deacon should be eliminated. Responding in a general synod on July 17, 1941, the Dutch believers resolved, whoever touches the diaconate interferes with what Christ has ordained as the task of the church. The Germans backed down. Deacons are important as an officer of the church. They're only one of two that are listed in the New Testament, and they serve the congregation on behalf of the elders to promote unity and solve practical problems. We appointed our first deacons a couple of months ago uh, at a potluck in the park. Joanna Adams became our deacon of children's ministry, Laura Lambus, our deacon of finance, and Sean Thomas, our deacon of, Sean, what's your title? Sunday administration? Something like that. I don't know. Sean just makes it work on Sunday, so that's what he does. Um, and these, these men and women are servants in our church. They've been serving for a long time faithfully and uh, uh, inviting them into the office of deacon was an acknowledgement for what they do. Uh, recently, one of the members of our church, and this is one of those roles that, that membership plays, is, is he pointed out that Jackson Roldgen, who is our music director and the only paid staff person here other than myself, wasn't a deacon. And he asked me why this is the case, and I, just, I didn't have an answer for him. I just kind of went, well, that's a good question. I kind of forgot about Jackson. He's super forgettable. <laughs> um, 
It was an oversight. Jackson's role as music director and his uh, character as a, as a person, as a Christian, is worthy of the honor of the office of deacon. And so, in, according to our bylaws, the deacons are appointed by the elders. And so, the elders have made the decision to appoint Jackson as the deacon of music this morning. So, congratulations, Jackson. Um, I have had the privilege of watching Jackson uh, grow into the leader that he is in our church uh, over the past couple years. Uh, I've had the privilege of seeing him grow alongside his young family uh, and into further maturity into Christ. And I'd love to tell you all about that, but I asked Jackson to come do it himself. So come on up here and, and talk to us, Jackson. Um, yeah, so this kind of whole thing makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I feel like I should have like a robe or a scepter or something to accept a formal title like that. But um, yeah, I, when Zach asked me to share uh, a little bit of my story and what God has been doing in my life, um, I agreed to do that. And then I was kind of hesitant later on throughout the week thinking about it, just because I kind of was struggling to see like the, uh, I don't know, just, just what it would do, like what it would be useful for. Um, but I was thinking more about it, and uh, I recognized that my natural inclination to kind of lean away from the body of Christ or to isolate myself or be an island and be an individual is uh, uh, kind of not in accordance with, with how the church is supposed to operate. And there's something really special and beautiful about the vulnerability and about the, um, yeah, just kind of what everybody's been talking about, the commitment to each other. So I'll share a little bit about uh, my life and just kind of where I'm at so you can get to know me a little bit as your deacon of music. <laughs> I asked Drew if he would refer to me as deacon of music when we play as a trio out and about, and I hope that that happens. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in Post Falls going to uh, North Country Chapel, which a lot of you, I understand, are from, from there as well. Um, I really grew up in my faith at, at North Country and uh, learned what it means to follow Jesus there. I also had a lot of really good examples, um, some really godly men to look up to, Dan Andrews, Josiah Hassey, later on Zach a little bit, though we didn't talk too much, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, but yeah, it was a really great time of growing and developing. Um, after that, I went to Bible college for a little bit, just one semester, and uh, had the privilege there of kind of fortifying my faith intellectually and, and, and getting a good theological foundation. Um, yeah, I came, came back from my first semester at Bible College and kind of felt God uh, kind of urging me to go back for another semester. But um, I don't know. I got a girlfriend and a job instead. So I <laughs> was doing that and then uh, decided it would be a good idea to join the military. And so that I did at 18. And uh, I went off... Um, into Japan, uh, where my first base was for a couple years. And uh, during that time, a little bit before that, that relationship had kind of crumbled and fallen apart, and uh, I found myself alone on the other side of the world. And um, uh, deconstruction was kind of becoming a buzzword at the time. And I, I don't necessarily think that I uh, was deconstructing my faith during that season, because I had a really good foundation that I could lean on, I'm thankful for. Um, I would describe it more as like unraveling. My faith was kind of unraveling. My life was kind of unraveling. I became uh, incredibly depressed and um, 
probably came as close as I could to walking away from God. And uh, yeah, just very, very depressed, having a lot of uh, mental issues, uh, was borderline suicidal for a while. And uh, it was just a very, very dark time. And so um, I made it through that. Um, came home on leave after a while, and my family was growing and changing, and my church community had moved, most of them moved away and felt different. And uh, a lot of the things that I had kind of felt comfort in growing up, I no longer felt comfort in. And then I went back to Japan to finish out my time there, feeling uh, even more alone and out of place in the world. Then I got some orders uh, to go to England, and there was a little bit of a problem on the orders, so I made it known to the office, and they said, sure thing, give us a couple weeks. And then a couple weeks went by, and they're like, how about uh, North Dakota instead? And I said, oh, that is not England. Uh, and so I went to beautiful North Dakota, negative 60 degrees when I showed up. My car broke down on the side of the road, shot a rod. I just saved up a bunch of money to buy that thing, and uh, yeah, <laughs> off to a bad start. But what I experienced shortly after um, arriving there was the necessity of Christian fellowship. There were several different godly people in a community, church community there, that reached out to me and cared for me and uh, made it a point, took initiative to love me. And, um, and that was incredibly impactful and helpful for me at that time. I met my beautiful wife in North Dakota. Uh, I met her there and uh, we got married very quickly. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, after we got married, a lot of my mental issues that I thought were resolved and the personal problems that I kind of had going on um, kind of reared their head again. And uh, we had a, a very rocky start to our marriage and our relationship. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for her patience and grace and love for me. Uh, and I still have a long ways to go. A lot of the unraveling that I experienced was kind of... Um, it made me kind of disenchanted with a lot of like churchy things. I still have a appreciation for the fundamentals of the gospel and of good theology and all those things, but um, I'm still kind of rebuilding what it means to be a Christian in a church community. But um, I'm incredibly thankful for, for my wife and I'm incredibly thankful for finding the church community uh, there in North Dakota and then here once we move to Coeur d'Alene again back home. Um, this church community here. It's been incredibly impactful to me. And so I, I don't know, I, part of my hesitance toward my hesitancy to share this with you is it just kind of felt like I was going to ramble on about myself for a couple of minutes, which, which I have. Um, but I think that one of the things that I've learned that maybe could be a benefit to say out loud in a group like this, it's diverse like this group is, is there are three things that kind of uh, were a life raft for me throughout my time of intellectually unraveling, emotionally unraveling, and, and feeling isolated and alone and like I don't belong. Um, one of them was the person of Christ, the most important part, the person of Jesus Christ himself. No matter what I was disenchanted with, what I no longer believed, what I found to be inconsistent or hypocritical, I could always come back to the person of Jesus and the Gospels as unique in human history, as worthy of following, as worthy of, of giving everything for. The second thing um, was the beauty of the Gospel story. Our world is flooded with a variety of narratives today, and uh, 
one of the things that really troubled me when I was exposed to other people in the world and I, I started to learn more about other people from all over the world is you start to see the similarities between their subjective experiences with their faith, so their lack of faith, and then the way people describe their subjective experience with God and Christianity and all that kind of shook me down. But when I, when I get back to the beauty of the gospel, it, it um, reaffirms me and it helps me to believe. And the, the last thing is the necessity of, of Christian fellowship. Uh, at every waypoint in my life, it has served as a preservative, despite all of my doubts or my impulses or my problems. And so um, I don't know where all of you are today, uh, spiritually or emotionally or, or in your journey of life. Uh, I don't know all of you. I'm looking forward to getting to know some of you more. But I would encourage you, if you are doubting or if you are unraveling or you feel like things are not worth um, doing anymore, to with anything that you have left, press into the person of Christ and who he is in human history, the son of God and human flesh worthy of following. And with whatever faculty and, and capability you have left to, to contemplate the beauty of the gospel thoroughly, to understand what that story is, the idea that God made man in his image, that we have rebelled against him, and he has worked to redeem us back to himself because he loves us and cares for us. And then as, as counterintuitive as it may feel, press into the um, understanding of necessity of Christian fellowship. It's difficult to be uh, vulnerable. It's difficult to come into a room like this with people that maybe you wouldn't be friends with otherwise and, um, and make it a point to love them, to care for them, to join a body. It's difficult. It's challenging. Um, it's not always emotionally pleasant. It's not always as much fun as you might have. Uh, and sometimes when you are decomposing inside, <laughs> it feels like the last thing you want to do. But I would encourage you, as a person who's experienced the beauty in all three of those things, to do that and to find um, that that's God's design for human creatures, to know his son, to experience the beauty of the gospel, and, and to participate in the necessary fellowship of believers on this journey together. So uh, for the new members, congratulations. For any visitors and people that are new here, get to know some people. Make it a point uh, to love them selflessly, to enter into relationship with them, and I think you'll be surprised at um, what, what God does. So thank you for hearing me ramble on. Thank you, Jackson. Appreciate you. So the deacons are servants of the body of Christ, promoting unity and meeting practical needs. The elders are the other office that are mentioned in the New Testament, and they are the men that are called as a body to lead the church. Our church is led by a plurality of elders, a team, and all of the elders in our church serve as equals. I was recently at a conference, um, it was a ministry conference, there were a bunch of people there and they had a breakout session and they told everybody to go to the breakout that corresponded with who they were. So there was like the children's ministry breakout and the worship ministry breakout and the admin breakout and then they had the lead pastor breakout. 
Um, and I knew I was supposed to go to the lead pastor breakout, but I do not like that word. Um, as, the, as the man who, with my family, planted this church four years ago, I recognize my influence and my authority here. But as we appoint elders, I am actively giving away that authority to other godly men. Elders in our church, they're not, they're not businessmen. They're not like the, the, they're not the spreadsheet guys. They're not figureheads. Uh, they're, I, they're not here to protect the pastor from the congregation. I heard that once. That's insane. Elders are pastors, they're shepherds, they're leaders of God's people. And our understanding of elders is that they have five roles. Elders have an intercessory role. They're called to prayer, prayer for the ministry of the church, spiritual growth of the people of the church, and they're called to pray with the people of the church. They have a doctrinal role. They're, they're called to declare the whole counsel of God. They're gu- called to guard against falsehood, to model biblical truth by serving as examples of godliness to the people of the church and the community at large. They have a shepherding role. They're called to oversee the spiritual life and development of the congregation. They're called to provide pastoral care for the church. They're called to supervise church membership, which includes admitting new members and disciplining or removing existing members. And they're called to steward the church finances under the authority of Christ. They have a development role. Elders are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to entrust other faithful men with the work of eldership. And they have a missional role to regularly evaluate the church's philosophies, methods, and practices against the biblical authority of the great confession, the great commandment, and the great commission. And they're called to develop vehicles which steer the church towards the fulfillment of that mission. So the elders of Revelation Church lead this church, and and I'm just one of them. I have some videos that I want to show you from our other elders, because currently our church is governed by myself and three what we call provisional elders. These are godly men who serve other churches in our network. Um, This is not ideal. Uh, It would be ideal if our elders were a part of our congregation, and that's the trajectory we're going for. Um, But these men are good, godly men who have served Revolution Revelation Church well for four years. Um, And I want to share some... They, they all have uh, recorded some videos for us this morning. The first one's from Jer Schumacher. And before we show the video, I want to share a little bit about who Jer is. Uh, Jer is a pastor of Good Roots Community Church in uh, Portland, Oregon. He has served as um, the head of church planting for our network, Church Venture Northwest. And he is a um, just... Uh, ferociously mission-minded man who wants to see the gospel proclaimed, people snatched from hell and death and made into the image of Christ. And so here's, here's Jer. Good morning, Revelation Church. This is Jer, one of the provisional elders, and uh, just here to say happy birthday 
It's a good celebration as a church to mark these uh, times and seasons. I was in my Bible reading, just noting from the beginning in Genesis where God had set aside different times and seasons to be recognized and to give thanks to the Lord and to remember all that he's done. And so this is one of those times Um, in the years of ministry that I've had in the churches in the Northwest. I've gotten to participate in about 20 or just over 20 uh, different church plants and seen them kind of make these milestones and, and growth steps. And so it's really an exciting time and it's worth celebrating and just being together and and, and, and praising the Lord for all that he's done. It's also time to uh, grow and to recognize that things that are healthy and alive are growing and they're necessarily changing. And so uh, just to pay attention to that. So adding new leaders, new elders, what an exciting thing that that is, but it's also work to grow together as a church family. And so uh, this is the time to, to pause and to enjoy being together and celebrating uh, these specific things. But then it's also time to move ahead and look forward to what God's going to do. Be committed again to the task of being disciples who are healthy, that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, so that we can be a church that is healthy and growing, full of healthy disciples that are committed to planting churches. So enjoy the day. Wish it could be with you, but uh, uh, just enjoy the day. Victor Borchard is another one of our provisional elders. He is an old friend of mine. We worked um, together at a church many years ago, and he is the man that found out that I had a heart to plant a church and said, hey, have you? we've got this network of churches in the Pacific Northwest, and we would love for you to plant with us. Uh, he kind of initiated those relationships and, and started that process for us. Um, he is uh, just so, so smart. The running joke for Victor is he's so well-equipped. Anytime we have anything that comes up in an elders meeting, he has a form for that. And he's got, he's got it emailed to us before we get done talking about it. And it's, it's been so helpful to have him lead our body over the last four years. So here's a message from Victor. Happy birthday, Revelation Church, Coeur d'Alene. Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Victor Borchard, and I serve as a pastor at Table Rock Fellowship in Medford, Oregon. And I've been serving as a provisional elder uh, for the church plant there in Coeur d'Alene. You know, it was back in 2014 that I met Mark Kernut at a conference in Seaside, Oregon, where he and I were serving as trustees with a church planting network. And he said, hey, have you ever thought about planting a church in Coeur d'Alene when he found out that Coeur d'Alene's my hometown? And I said, you know, I'm not a church planter, but I definitely would love to see a church planted in my hometown. And so we kind of committed it to prayer uh, for a few years, and the Lord raised up Zach to be that church planter. And uh, it was back in, I think, 2017, about five years ago, that Zach came to Southern Oregon and we introduced him to Calvary Crossroads Church, where I was pastoring at the time, to uh, as a prospective church planter. And uh, here we are in 2022, uh, celebrating your fourth birthday. And I just want to say what a privilege it is to, uh, yeah, just see the health of Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene kind of long distance and to know you were there. 
growing in your relationship with the Lord, knowing God, making him known. God is not hidden, all of the good stuff. So uh, happy birthday to you guys. It is a privilege to serve long distance. Thank you for praying uh, every day for my family and I. We deeply cherish that in everybody every day. And uh, we're also praying for the Lord to be raising up uh, local elders and uh, excited to see God's faithfulness to raise up Brian Taft to serve as a local elder for you guys and uh, praying for God's continued blessing upon you guys uh, in the days, months, and years ahead. God bless you guys. So Victor mentioned Mark Kernett is our third provisional elder. He serves in uh, New Creation Fellowship in Spokane. And he also mentioned the idea of raising up local elders, which again, I said, that's, that's the goal here is that our church would be led by men who are a part of our covenant community, boots on the ground. Uh, and one of the things that the elder board has discerned over the past season, we believe from the Holy Spirit, is that um, the provisional elder team that has served us faithfully for four years might actually be getting in the way of that. That it might be that since we have this elder board, there's no impetus to actually have a group of local elders serving. And so this fall, we started having some serious discussion about what would it look like for the provisional elders to just kind of end their term with us and, and, and step away. And, and so this next video is a little bit different. This is from Mark. Uh, he will explain it a little bit better, but Mark uh, drew the short straw I think, uh, and um, he's going to be stepping off the elder board. And so I'll, I'll let you uh, hear from him on that. Good morning. My name is Mark Kernut. I pastor New Creation Fellowship. And this video message is meant to serve as my official notice of resignation as provisional elder of Revelation Church. This decision has been a difficult one, though I truly believe this is what's best for myself and for Revelation Church. Our needs here at New Creation have been growing rapidly and requires much more of my time. So after much prayer, I've decided to put all of my time and energy into rebuilding uh, our church here at New Creation. I only have a little time left of full-time ministry, and I feel strongly that I should finish well. I'd like to thank all of you for your support in the Elder Board that has given me over the last four or five years. It's been a joy and a pleasure to serve uh, as a provisional elder at Revelation Church. I always will be grateful for the opportunity. So once again, thank you uh, for the opportunity to serve you, um, and God bless. If you, if you don't know Mark and you're thinking, that kind of looks like a hostage video, uh, it's just who Mark is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mar Mark's church in Spokane uh, got hit really hard over this last season, and uh, uh, he, he is uh, committed to loving them well as his, as his highest priority. So uh, just we're grateful for all that Mark has done. He's been a mentor of mine as we planted the church, the, the closest of our provisional team over in Spokane, and uh, just grateful for his participation with us for these years. So because of that, uh, we, we've got a vacancy on the elder board, and uh, it's my hope this morning that we would fill that vacancy. Uh, those of you that know Brian Taft, you know that he cares deeply for Christ, 
He cares deeply for his family, and he cares deeply for the people of this church. I have watched him over the last couple years uh, shepherd this community, uh, maybe without even knowing that he was doing that at the time, as he prayed with people and went out to coffee with people and talked with people after church and just loved people sacrificially um, in a way that it's, it's just incredibly commendable. We announced to the members a couple of months ago that, that Brian was discerning a call to serve on the elder board. And our hope today is that Brian will be stepping up to take Mark's place as he rolls off. The elders have been talking with Brian about this for about nine months. He's been meeting with us. Um, he's been having conversations with Victor, particularly as a, as a mentor, And the elders believe that his character is in alignment with the biblical qualifications of being an elder. We believe that his calling to the office is legitimately from God. We believe his competency, his gifting, and his abilities will serve Revelation Church well. We believe his capacity is sufficient to do the hard work of shepherding while also raising a family and working full-time. And we believe his chemistry within the culture of Revelation Church makes him a good fit to be one of our leaders. But this is not the elder board's decision. This is the congregation's decision. We, and I'm speaking not as an elder, but as a member of this church, we need to consent to submit to the leadership of this man, to give him the authority to lead us as one of the elders under the authority of Christ. That's what our church covenant that I read earlier says that we will do. So if you're a member of Revelation Church, I hope you got a ballot. Uh, this, is, this is an official vote. This is a recorded vote. Um, we need to have, uh, Brian needs to have 75% of us approve uh, him to be on the elder board to this morning. We need to consent to his leadership. So what I'm going to invite you to do, members, is grab a pen, uh, fill out your ballot, it's pretty simple. It's a yes or a no, uh, but it does require your name. We're, we're, we're not doing it anonymously. And then Spencer is going to collect the ballots, and we will count the votes. I, I, I really believe that our church is, needs to stand on its own. Um, like I said, I love the provisional elders. I love the way they've cared for our people from a distance. But um, it is time for us to be um, led by our own members. And so some of you men today, I believe, are called to serve as elders alongside of us. Um, the rest of the provisional team is planning their exit probably in the next year or less. Um, and I just, I just want to challenge you, if maybe you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit say, like, leadership in God's church is something that I'm being called to. Maybe you don't know what that looks like. Uh, maybe you have questions. Maybe you're like, you know what? My character is not what it should be to lead God's people. That's an important thing. But let's work on that. Let's figure that out. If you sense God calling you to be a leader, like, let's get your character sorted out so you can be 
who God is calling you to be. Maybe it's your competency. Maybe you think like, I don't know the Bibles. I don't think I can teach. Well, maybe you can't teach. Maybe you're not called, but maybe you just need to grow in that area. Maybe we can help you figure out how to learn and grow as a leader. Maybe it's your capacity. Maybe you think, man, I don't have time for that. You talk to Brian about time someday, but um, let's talk about how we can make your schedule work so that you can lead if you're being called to it. Let's make a plan to work on these sort of things, but, but don't, don't ignore your calling if you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. <laughs> what, what do we got? How, how, they're all yes? That's not right. <laughs> that can't be right. <laughs> no, I actually expected that to happen. Except Matt. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. So with a unanimous vote, I would like to affirm Brian Taft as an elder at Revelation Church. I'm going to ask the Taft family to come up onto the platform. Um, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just outstretch your hands to these guys as we pray for them. Lord God, um, Brian and I and, and Victor and, and Mark and, and Jer have had a lot of these conversations. Um, we've had conversations uh, as well with Amanda and uh, just... They recognize deeply the, the gravity, the weight of the calling that Brian and then also his family has been called to, uh, that you've called him to a good work, a difficult work, uh, a work that requires wisdom and patience and grace, kindness, thoughtfulness. And God, we also recognize all of us we, we don't have what it takes to lead your people, but you have what it takes to equip us to the roles we've been called to. And I just pray for just an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on Brian's life, on Amanda's life, on the girl's life, that they would be strong, that they would be tender, that they would be wise, and God, that they would lead us well. God, that your spirit would speak through Brian and the rest of the elders to point out the direction that we should go in the coming years, that you would be glorified among us, that you would be glorified in this community, that the decisions that we make, that the policies that we have, the, the, the things that we teach, all of these aspects that, that we um, oversee would just point back to the goodness and the glory of God. We love you and we thank you. We're grateful for the gift of the Taft family that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can go down. Brian's going to stay up here. Um, we're going to do a little Q&R. Okay, Brian's going to come back. We're going to do a little Q&R in a second. Um, but uh, before we do that, uh, I've asked Brian to share a couple things with us. Um, so there you go. I was like having the handheld mic. I don't know what to do with my hands otherwise, so this is good. Um, so I think most everybody here knows me, at least I hope so, since you just voted me in. Um, 
A few weeks ago, just like the rest of uh, everybody up here, Zach asked me to speak. Uh, and he said, focus kind of primarily on what the Lord's done in my life and in my family over the last four years of attending Revelation Church. To be honest, I actually had some trouble initially describing what that was. I mean, I know things are better, but pinpointing it and teasing it out, it just, it just was difficult. Uh, I grew up a pretty common story. In fact, a story that is really not unfamiliar to anybody. I was saved at a young age. Uh, my family attended church. I did the Sunday school and Awana thing. I fell away after hard times in my teens and then rededicated my life early in adulthood. Uh, I lived the next season of my life, nominally Christian, but without really any discernible proof. In fact, I will, uh, I'll never forget, uh, there was a time when I was a rookie firefighter and a friend of mine came up during our EMT training and said, I just heard you were a Christian. I had no idea, but that's cool, we should hang out. Uh, and that's still, like, that still stings to this day. It's kind of an eye-opener about how you live versus what you profess. And I was not living to what I professed. Uh, over the years, however, God was doing a work in me. Often my growth came in fits and starts. Most of the time it was just me throwing a fit. Uh, but his grace was enough. Uh, I met Amanda. We got married. We started attending church again. Uh, mostly just a few of the larger but not huge mega churches, uh, the kind that were big enough to avoid any real depth or accountability, but uh, were small enough so that we could reassure ourselves that we weren't getting caught up in the evangelical hype at the time. So when Zach and Joanna announced that they had felt a calling to start a church, I thought, oh, that's nice, that's good, but I'm good right here. Uh, God, however, had other plans. And I couldn't shake the feeling that we were supposed to be a part of it. So we obeyed. Um, and I know for a lot of you who were there, it's hard to hide in a, in a living room with 10 people. There's reality there. And even if you want to duck out early, you just can't. So over the last four years, God has used Revelation Church as a catalyst to do his work in my family and I in ways that... continue to prove his faithfulness and his grace, his unending grace. He's used weekly worship, the study of his word, and the practice of prayer, and the loving community all to soften my heart and to help me experience his goodness. Through you guys, <clears throat> he's challenging, rebuking, comforting, encouraging, building up and blessing my family and I. And I hope that everybody else here can say the same. This is what church is for. We're his body, bought by his blood, doing his work, guided by his scripture, and empowered by his spirit to do what he planned ahead of time for us to do. Zach read from Corinthians, early, Corinthians earlier. Uh, and the analogy used was that of the body. And I really like that one. But the one the Lord has been laying on my heart this week is uh, in Ephesians 2.19. So then, 
You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. I think that's beautiful um, to show the growth and the stability the dependency on Christ. This is, this is really powerful. We are members of God's household together. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. In him, we're being built together, growing into a holy temple, God's dwelling, for God's dwelling in the spirit. God doesn't any longer live in the temple in Jerusalem, but he lives in us here and now. How awesome is that blessing? How much more awesome is it that we're invited to be participants with him in blessing our communities? Back to what Zach said a few minutes ago about the calling to be an elder. Whether or not you perceive that feeling that God is calling you to, we are all called in similar fashion to live as as elders are described. But, also, but as he also said, the provisional elders have helped support us in our infancy and our toddlerhood with guidance and support. As I have gone through this process, I've been truly blessed and humbled with the understanding of just how much they genuinely care for us and how important it is to transition to having local elders who are raised up in our body, who know intimately the issues and the stresses and the problems, the blessings of our home, of our family, and have skin in the game to see the work through. Two years ago, he invited me to attend something called relational elder training. Uh, It sounded really intimidating, just even by the title alone, Uh, but I figured that any opportunity to grow closer to God was a good one. And at the time, I wasn't perceiving a calling to eldership, But I did know that the calling to be a godly man is very similar. And I felt that that God had entrusted me with the lives of my wife and my daughters. And I knew that I needed to learn to steward those blessings in a way that honored him. So we met together after church. We studied scripture. We talked and we prayed together. In RET, that's what we call it, RET. In RET, God challenged, encouraged, and grew me deeper in relationship with him than I ever thought possible. And he is continuing to draw me and my family nearer to him every day through the changes and the transformation that happened during that time. Now, obviously, he did eventually call me to this role, but he used this class in part to do it. He used these men that God surrounded me with to speak into my life, even when I was doubting or aware of my, my flesh and my unqualification of being an elder, he used them to remind me that God is good. And if God is calling you to it, you do it. So even if that didn't happen, the deeper intimacy with, with him was worth it. Now, this isn't necessarily a plug for the elder class as much as it is a call for us men to take the next right step towards growing in our relationship with God and bringing our families along for the ride. And if he is calling you to eldership, then I can't think of a better place for you to work that out than in scripture and in prayer 
and in community for the, with those who love him and love you. So to wrap it up and to answer the question that Zach originally had posed to me, what has God done in my life? Well, in the past four years, God has restored me by his grace from my compliant, complacent wandering. He has taken every small bit of seeking that I bring, and he returns it with deeper, more loving, more true revelation of his goodness. And he has shown me that intimacy and vulnerability in covenant community is far better than being comfortable with the safe and the superficial church attendance that I had been a part of. So I thank you, and I love you guys. I love what you have done for me and my family. And I'm so blessed and honored and humbled to be a part of the work that he's doing in yours. God bless. That was nice. <laughs> I only cried a little bit. <laughs> Good job. Okay, I'm going to, uh, we're getting late, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible. I don't know if there's any Q&R, but I'll look at it, and uh, we'll go over it in, in, in our email this week, because um, I don't want to ignore questions if they're there. But we're going to take communion right now. Um, communion, the communion meal is not a private thing. There's a reason uh, why we steer our gathering towards this moment every week. The communion meal is a covenant renewal ceremony. It's, it's us saying that we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. We have been made a member of his body, and we affirm our, reaffirm our allegiance to Jesus and our bond to one another in him through it. Um, speaking of membership and polity and things, we don't close the communion table. Um, I just, I don't, I don't feel like it's something that represents the heart of Christ uh, who invites the broken to drink the water of life. But I do want to remind and warn us this morning that Paul says in the church at Corinth, some were getting sick and some were dying, he says, for not recognizing the body And Paul is talking about the church there. He's talking about the body of Christ. And so as we sing, as you come forward to take the bread and the cup back to your seats, examine yourself, examine your posture and your presence in the body of Christ. Ask the Lord to search you, to show you places where maybe you're not taking this seriously. You're a Christian, you love Jesus, but, but you could take it or leave it with the church. Paul says, don't, don't be like that. And he warns that frighteningly, some were actually getting sick and dying because of the way they were treating others in the body. But that, more, that warning isn't meant to deter you. It's meant to encourage you to examine yourself and come and receive the gifts of his broken body and his shed blood this morning. We're going to sing. Feel free to sit or stand. You can pray with the, at the prayer rugs as we worship together. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.